The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Save our wildlife, save the environment, save our world. It all starts with a little knowledge. Welcome to Our Wild World with Ellie Weiss. There is so much that's being done and can be done with help from specialists and marginalized community groups to you. We'll discuss the future of Africa, the wildlife, and the people, and show you how it affects the entire planet. Now, here is Ellie Weiss from the Wild Eyes Foundation. Good morning and welcome to Our Wild World. We've been covering over the last couple of months a series of programs with a series of experts and guests on canned hunting, trophy hunting, uh, what's happening on the global scale with elephants, with lions, and the losses that we seem to be facing catastrophically around the world uh, regarding management plans, regarding um, species survival, landscape plans, you name it. It is all coming to a fore and reaching tipping points on every side of the coin that you can think of. So um, a couple of months, about a month ago, my guest Peter Cat and I had a two-part series talking about canned hunting um, lions, uh, not specifically canned hunting. We went off on the canned hunting to talk about the history of lions, the culture of lions with how it's entwined and embedded in our human history and why it's important to conserve these species for the future. So that led us into a place where we could have talked for hours. And uh, so Peter's back today and we want to continue this conversation on the concept of utilization, sustainability, and is it more like a sustained abuse rather than a sustained use. So welcome back, Peter. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. We're going to run on a roll here, so um, I wish we had a live program here and our guests could call in, but our guests can certainly email me at wildb4u, that's W-I-L-D, the letter B, the number 4, the letter U, at wildeyes.org and send in your questions, and I'm happy to uh, ask my guests and follow up on these critical issues because we are at a point today where we have to educate ourselves. And Peter and I are going to talk about that in this conversation of sustainability. So uh, let's just jump right in, Peter. We were talking a little bit, uh, creating where we could sort of uh, box off this conversation to fit in the time slot that we have. So let's start by defining sustainability as it is um, generally accepted to be, and why it's not working, and why, as we touched on before, we call it a sustained abuse rather than a sustainable use. Well, Ellie, I think that um, the the sustainable use 
um, has been accepted by lots and lots of organizations all over the world because uh, what they are relying on us to believe is that we can sustainably use wildlife, we can sustainably use our forests, we can sustainably use our fishery stocks, um, and, you know, what that means is that we can come back uh, five years later and still find the same resources available to us five years after, you know, whatever programs they have, and we can still use that, that resource that they have said is going to be sustainably used. Now, the problem is that sustainable use, as you said in your introduction, has been, you know, sort of mutated into sustainable abuse. There is absolutely no reason for us to believe, you and I and all these people listening today, that sustainable use has made any kind of real promise to us that um, we can, you know, we can go to a forest that has been sustainably used and we can still see the same trees and we can still fish the same fish after all these years and we can still see the same lions that have been sustainably trophy hunted or the same elephants that have been sustainably trophy hunted. No. What we are finding these days is that sustainable use has become sustainable abuse and we are not really engaging. We are we as a public are not really engaging into the questions about how sustainable use is really working. Even though we might think that, okay, well, there's organizations representing us, like um, the UN and, and CITES and, you know, NGOs. various other... Yeah. Lodges, and, you name it, conservationists. Yeah, but they're, but they're not doing their job. You know, Ellie, when, when I was a, um, um, a student in college and when I was a graduate student after college, what I was asked to do by my professors was to always question. I was always asked to evaluate. Do you believe that what you're reading and what you're listening to and what you're receiving is actually something that you believe in. And what I was asked to do was to question these things and to learn how to question them and to educate myself apart from, you know, what was being fed to me and then to say, how am I really being informed realistically about the decisions that people are taking for me. Well, you bring up a really good point. We need to, education is critical, and we're going to keep coming back to this in this episode as we do continuously over our wild world. Education is key, but what's also important through education is learning how to ask the right questions. Well, that's really true because, you know, what we have allowed ourselves to do, I think, is to believe in the education that is being fed to us by organizations perhaps with very strong vested interests. Everybody's company line, so to speak. Yeah. You know, what we're asked to believe is that everything is, is going fine. 
um, everything is going well. Um, we can we can continue to use the ever diminishing resources on our planet in a sustainable fashion because you know we're telling you that this is all fine. Well, now, that brings that brings me to a point is you know of what you were talking about earlier, and it struck me in terms of sustainable use and resources five years from now. It doesn't really take into consideration um, on the everyday scale that the world has rapid, uh, rapidly and dramatically shifted from five years ago to 10 years ago to 50 years ago. We do not have the same amount of resources because we have not been sustainably using, even though we call it that, and that's what goes to our point, sustained abuse. So we're at a tipping point right now that we really must shift how we interact with our resources. Well, what we have accepted um, for various reasons is that we can continue to live our lives with, you know, 10 times as many people wanting to use the resources and that those resources will always be available. Right. Now, we, we, we know that, um, for example, that um, we can we can continue to mine our oil reserves and our copper reserves and whatever is under the world and under the earth, and we can say, okay, well, you know, what we're doing is we're we're utilizing those resources in a sustainable way, but. What we find is that more and more um, our natural resources, and you know, you, you only need to go out and, and take a walk around where you live, and you can find out that the forests and the, the 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 animals and everything that we supposedly are sustainable using are decreasing in huge numbers, and but. What we are being fed, as, as I said before, is that this policy of sustainable use, which has been accepted by governments and international organizations, is the way to go. And therefore and the I global think what, public, where if we do, as you say, step out of our house in our new urban development, our new um, suburban bedroom community, where we build wildlife leaves. And um, so we're not seeing it, squirrels to birds to whatever. We're not seeing it anymore. And we're thinking that it is still out there someplace in the quote-unquote wild. And that's a very good point, Ellie, because, you know, we, we, we accept that um, wildlife is still out there somewhere. And that um, what we can do is we can, you know, take a safari to Africa and we can see lots and lots of wildlife or we can take a safari to, let's say, you know, somewhere in South America and we can see lots of wildlife. And, but the problem is that, you know, it is not there anymore because it has all been used up. And it's, not just, through, and it's not just through urbanized development, as you said, this population increase. It's not just wealthy countries and, you know, us, European Western civilization that is increasing, it's the poor and the deep poverty. They're also um, exponentially increasing in population numbers and encroaching, encroaching on these what were once wild spaces. Well, exactly. And I think that, you know, what, what, what we... Um, or untrammeled and, spaces. People are now in them. Yeah. And I think that, that you know, what, what's happening um, in the world today is that, that we think that, well, there's always wild spaces available to us. 
<laughs> they might not be wild spaces in our country, but we can travel to see some of them, you know, in other countries. So right there is the so, key of the education we're talking about. There, we are yep. losing our last remaining wild spaces and the wild life that we are. did and inhabit it. Ellie, it used to be that, you know, when we went to, you know, years ago, when, when we thought about wildlife, we could step out of our door and, you know, travel a couple of hours in a car and go to a wild space and we could see it. But now, you know, what, what we're thinking is that, okay, well, those wild spaces aren't available anymore to us because they've all been destroyed. So what we need to do is now we need to step on an airplane and then we can still see wild spaces. And somehow we're comforted by that. But... You know, the, the, the individual person needs to realize that, um, again, we have to question what is actually happening in the world today. We need to sit down and we need to say, well, if all the Amazonian rainforests are being cut down, if all the, the rainforests in, in Indonesia are being cut down, if all the rainforests in Borneo and Malaysia are being cut down, you know, where are our wild spaces anymore? And let's and, go on. Safari lodges being built up in around a small park like the Masai Mara or around an enclosed park like Nairobi National Park. Um, it, it, we're, we're building up around the buffer zones of our wild places under so-called uh, conservation benefit and bringing tourists there. We have an impact even in that way. I just needed well, to get that in because- there. We do because you know what's what's happening is that for some you know reason we we find that um, tourism numbers are are growing year by year by year, and everybody wants to go and see you know some wildlife in Africa. But I think that that what's happening is that more and more of those tourism and and photographic tourism um, organizations are are building up our confidence that. We can still see wild spaces, but we see those wild spaces with thousands and thousands of other people. Yeah, now, and, and less and less of the wild things that used to inhabit them. Absolutely, because, or, you know, all or, or those... Or a lesser experience because they're so habituated. And because all those those wild animals are supposedly wild animals that, you know, used to be out there that, that we could see, you know, maybe 20 years ago, 30 years ago, they're not there anymore. They're all confined. And um, coming back to human populations again, yes, they are confined because of growing human populations in places like Africa, South America, etc. But I think what we can do is we can still find a good balance. But the balance needs to be that we stop destroying the very nature that we so much enjoy. Now, it does not need to be all commercial and economic and things like that because people say well nature needs to pay its way but you know i think that what we have lost is the 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 real appreciation of what we think of as nature nature used to be to a lot of people and and certainly to me it used to be something that we went out and we saw untrammeled it was not invaded it was not with you know 200 or 300 people but nowadays we accept that you know if you go out to you know a national park or something like that um that we share a very diminished concept of what was actually wild and i would protected spaces and end up in a traffic jam 
Exactly, Ellie. And then we don't consider and, and the, the impact that this traffic jam, this air pollution, this noise pollution is having on this wild space that we so psychologically need to know is there. Yes, and I would pose to you, Ellie, that, you know, there is no more nature left. Unless, you know, you want to go to, to some place out in, in, in far Alaska in, in the U.S. or, you know, um, someplace in, in, in uh, Antarctica, maybe. You know, there is no inha- more... In- inhabitable by people or inhospitable. <laughs> yes, there is, there is no more nature left. What we have is what we are calling nature and what we are supposedly advised is nature. And we're um, advertising cars and planes and tourism all to go there and without really the other side that it is diminishing. So um, unfortunately, we're at a really good point to take a break um, because this is kind of a depressing note that there's no nature left. So we need to come back and reestablish that there that it's not too late, that it's not hopeless, and that we are at this tipping point in paradigm shift that there is space there if we learn how to engage with it. So, and we must, we must really learn to do better. And this is also going to be a perfect segue to get into some of the issues that we wanted to talk about, canned hunting, trophy hunting, and the use, abuse of the the wildlife that is in these spaces so stick with us we'll be right back wildlife no wild no life big scary beautiful predators are in danger without them our rivers dry up our forests don't grow Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. 
Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. You're listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to our wild world. Welcome back. This is Ellie Weiss, Our Wild World, and my guest, Peter Cat, And we're talking about sustainability um, and what it seems to have turned in into this modern-day world of a sustained abuse rather than sustainable use. So we ended on rather a sad note. There is no nature left, but we can walk outside and see open spaces that, as we've been talking about, are seem to be devoid of wild life. Um, squirrels, you know, all the things that can live in our our manipulated areas, but where are the iconic species, what we know as wildlife. So while we're on this track, let's just carry over to a little bit of what is happening and continues to happen in South Africa as this model of sustainable utilization of industrializing wildlife. What does that do to our human psyche when we industrialize it, turn it into cows, just another thing for profit, you know, that not only, I think, destroys this psyche of wildness, but what is it actually doing to the species and the landscape? Well, I think that, you know, what's what's happening in, in South Africa and, and some other countries in, in Africa as well, it's not only South Africa, but I think what we're doing is we're, we're increasingly and unfortunately um, putting wildlife behind various fences. And uh, we're saying to our kids, look, you know, this is what wildlife is about. And yes, it is not possible anymore to have free roaming wildlife. And really? Truly? Is, sorry? Really? Truly? Even yeah, when truly. we get into trans-frontier parks because we really have boxed it all off? Yeah, I, I don't think we can have free roaming wildlife anymore because, you know, it, it, Mega, it's... Megafauna. It's history. It's history. Because what we need to do now, and you know what people have, have been saying all along, is that there cannot be any wildlife area in Africa that cannot be managed or must not be managed. Because by and um, for us, yes, maybe because that's you know the, maybe that's wildlife the- wildlife used to roam all over Africa in, in past days, and there was lots of space, and there was lots of you know area available. But now we're it's it's becoming more and more confined. So is that sort so, of the crux of this this point that we have to stop managing it for us and actually think of the other and think of out there and manage it for its own aesthetic and inherent value system. You'd said before, if it pays, it stays. If it doesn't pay, what? It doesn't stay? And we just populate everything on Earth? Well, I think that, that um, you know, what, what, what has happened in Africa these days is that, um, you know, the, the, there has been a realization that more and more um, 
wildlife areas have been confined and confined and confined by agriculture and by livestock and Us. expanding human populations. But, um, you know, there was, there was supposedly a way through that was decided by a number of organizations who said, okay, what we need to do is we need to connect all those, those sort of islands of wildlife, right? Because there really are islands these days. What we need to do is we need to connect all those various islands of wildlife by migration corridors. Transfrontier parks. Well, for example, the Transfrontier parks. You know, everybody bought into this. It was a wonderful idea. Um, it was it was supported by millions and millions. I mean, you won't believe the amount of money that went into these Transfrontier parks by various organizations like the Dutch Postcode Lottery and by the Swedish Postcode Lottery and by individual um, donors. And, you know, everybody bought into the fact that, okay, what we need is a, in, instead of a national park, what we need to do now is connect these national parks to each other in different countries. Now, across countries, across, across boundaries, countries, cross boundaries, cross national boundaries. Because you know, an elephant doesn't need a passport, right? It it, it sort of walks back and forth between it different countries. It also doesn't need money. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not going to the local shop and buying food. It needs money no. to create this space. And and but what happened was that you know there was a tremendous buy-in, like I said, um, into all these transfrontier areas. But um, what we're realizing more and more is that those transfrontier areas were based on what I call paper parks. And a paper park is something that is written down in terms of, you know, a um, uh, legislation or um, you know, what, what various African countries want to show you as... Sorry? In boardrooms. Yeah. And, and you know, there you are. You know, if you look at a map of, of, of various countries, here are all our national parks and aren't we doing well in terms of wildlife conservation. Now, the reality is that um, in a lot of these countries, there is no interest, unfortunately, in maintaining those national parks. So what they said is, okay, well, what we'll do is we'll link all those national parks together in terms of a transfrontier conservation area. Now, what I would like to do is to bring up with you the situation in Botswana um, with their elephant yes. problem. Yes, right? and it is now, a problem. It is, it is a big problem for Botswana. Botswana has done really, really well in terms of conserving elephants. They are... Botswana you know, does not tolerate any kind of elephant poaching. Botswana has the army out there trying to, you know, fight poachers. Botswana does not want a single elephant killed on its soil. Of course, that doesn't work very well, but, you know, they, they've really got a, a good sort of um, attitude towards elephant conservation. The problem is that that good attitude led to a huge expansion of their elephant population. So because it's a, elephants, a, a success story that's gone bad. A success story because, you know, elephants feel safe in Botswana. 
you know, and and so what elephants did is they. But if you if you look at the the the, the supposed transfrontier parks that are available to elephants, that are supposed to relieve the pressure, the enormous pressure on on Botswana, because Botswana is suffering from all these elephants. They're destroying the parks. They're destroying their their crops. They're interfering with, you know, the the income from from rural people. And so what Bot Botswana wants is that these elephants can leave. And what they have done, Botswana has, has decided, okay, what we'll do is we'll join together with all the countries around us, and what we will do is we will set up these transfrontier parks, and, you know, the elephants can feel free to travel. However, if an elephant travels from northern Botswana into Namibia, it travels straight into a trophy hunting concession and also a very heavy poaching concession. I call it a poaching concession because that's basically what it is. A free -for and if that elephant then steps across the border from, from Namibia into Angola, it is again going to be poached. If the elephant steps into, tries to step into Zambia, there's still minefields. Believe it or not, you know, these, these minefields are still in existence between Angola and Zambia. And so... Wherever the elephant goes, it's either going to get shot, it's going to get blown up, or it's going to get poached. So what the elephants do is they're all concentrating in, in, in Botswana. They're not stupid. As they we, know yeah, where they said, they're very, very, very smart animals, and they know how to um, adapt to a moving, rapidly shifting situation as well as we do. They just adapt in an elephant way. Well, they, they know where they're safe, and, and they're safe in Botswana. So they, will, they would rather sit in Botswana rather than taking advantage of this supposed, you know, enormous area that's being made available to them. That looks good and on a map. It looks good on a map. It looks good for fundraising. But in actual fact, no elephant, you know... In well, their right mind would say, no way... <laughs> in their right mind, there. exactly. As in my their dad right used mind, to say, we'll step he was out of Botswana and you know um, go to to um, uh, the Caprivi Strip or to Angola or to Zambia because you know they know by now that that is an unsafe area for them. Or Zimbabwe, I mean, which is hitting the headlines big time. Yeah, well, let's not even talk about Zimbabwe. What a nonsense! <laughs> yeah, that would be a whole nother show. And by the way, I yeah. have to get it in there. These next. Uh, this week and next week and the next coming weeks are all about Zimbabwe. So, um, Peter, maybe we can talk again after that because Zimbabwe is blowing the lid open and our wild world is right there on the spot covering it. <coughs> Excuse me. No, that's really good because, you know, Zimbabwe really needs to have a little bit more... Transparency? Well, it needs to have a... A whole new plan. <laughs> yeah, let's put it that way. Um, so, you know, Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe you know, is I, a subject I, all of its own. So, um, I guess where we could touch on Zimbabwe right now, and in line with what we talked about before, lions. Um, what's hit the global headlines, and um, not only the twenty-four elephants that were exported to China, which is what this <laughs> week's next week's show and the following week is about, um, but Cecil the lion. And you did an incredible post on people against canned hunting. So, uh, listeners, please find Peter Cat P I E T E 
E-R-K-A-T on Facebook and Peter's blog at lionaid.org. Uh, Peter's very much on the pulse of things. And um, uh, we just, the world was taken by surprise with Cecil, an, unki- an iconic, rather well-habituated lion of Huangi National Park, who was, by all accounts that's coming in, lured or baited out of the park and um, we're not quite sure yet, but it seems an illegal and perhaps certainly unethical hunt, trophy hunt, um, by a bow hunter. We're not going to name names at this point. Um, and the lion was killed. He suffered greatly. And uh, so it's it's all over the news. And Peter, in your post, you had done an excellent breakdown of the economic value of a lion. If it pays, it stays. You did a great breakdown. What is the value of a live lion versus a trophy hunted lion? And this instantaneous gratification to kill something versus this sustain abuse, sta- sustainable use, utilization for the future or five years from now of lions. Are there lions? Is there a sustainable, po- viable population in our previous talk about genetic diverse populations of lions where does zimbabwe fall with the loss of cecil well i think ellie you know you've you've asked me lots and lots of questions and yeah i'm sorry <laughs> i have a tendency not, to do that it's it they're not easy to answer but let's let's focus on zimbabwe um zimbabwe like many other african countries thought that by um setting aside um a lot of um, hunting concessions what they could do is, um, you know, bring lots of money into the country because trophy hunters would come in, they would pay their trophy fees, they would support the, the uh, running of the areas, and, you know, this would all be good for conservation. But um, at the end of the day, um, it all turned very, very sadly sour. Um, now, perhaps Zimbabwe had lots and lots of political questions in terms of, you know, utilizing land for for trophy hunting and um, utilizing land for supposedly sustainable trophy hunting. But anyway, um, what Zimbabwe is not unique in, and we must realize this, um, Zimbabwe and a lot of other African countries that, that, that utilize trophy hunting have set up hunting concessions right on the borders of the national parks. So, and these are invisible back, lines. These are not fenced, literally hard. Wa- no, hard these fences. are you know completely open. I mean, you know, they don't even know where the borders are. Right? Once again, it looks but, great on a map. It looks good on a map, but you know, if if that lion um, can be enticed out of the park into a hunting concession, then yes, it is perfectly legal to shoot that lion. But what is not legal is to entice the lion out. Now, Cecil, you know, that we brought up earlier in the show, you know, that, that he was actually a radio-collared lion. Um, he, was, he was involved in a, in a uh, scientific study yeah. in, in a national park. Um, and he was enticed out of a national park into a um, trophy hunting area, and, and he was shot. Now, what we need to realize is that that is perfectly legal in Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe, you are allowed to bait lions to be shot. And the baiting, you know, was, was done for this, this supposed Spanish 
um, hunter who used, you know, who tried to actually shoot the lion with a bow and arrow. That lion, you know, took two days to die. But anyway, um, this is not the first time that this has happened in Hwangi. Because the Hwangi, there are, there are researchers there in Hwangi who have been looking at these lions, and they've been documenting, and it's all over the scientific literature about, you know, how trophy hunting has decreased the number of male lions in the national park, have interfered with the, 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 the social structure of lions in the national park, et cetera, et cetera. And in fact, there was, a, there was a ban on trophy hunting in that area in 2004, but then that got reversed again because, you know, supposedly now the lions are all fine. But it is interesting to me that um, a trophy hunter should be willing to entice a lion out of a national park into a hunting concession area, which means to me that there are no lions in that hunting concession area. Uh-huh. Why should he, you know, why should he do that? If the hunting concessions have are completely devoid of lions, then where does that sustainable hunting come in again? So we've right? just come full circle. And we should point out that an ethical sport trophy hunter, which I'm not <laughs> going to get into everything that I find wrong with that or that you find wrong with that or a good portion of the global population finds wrong with that in a contemporary world, that um, you would think an ethical hunter would also be concerned about this sustained utilization abuse so that they, too, would have animals that they could continue to sport trophy hunt. Well, so they're it goes all back gone. to education and being wise and doing your due diligence and being responsible. Whether you want to kill yeah. it or visit it, it's being yeah. a responsible human being. Yeah. Ellie, what I have said uh, for years and years and years is that what we should be able to do is to be able to count lions in Africa. But more specifically, to be able to count lions in hunting concessions. Because, you know, what has happened in hunting concessions is all the lions have been shot out. There's no reproduction. There's no cubs. Maybe you can find some females wandering around, whatever, whatever. But hunters have refused to allow any body to come into their hunting concessions to actually do a lion population survey. Why? Because they'll be completely embarrassed. Because all this time that they were, you know, supposedly doing sustainable trophy hunting, conservation trophy hunting, name it what you will, the lions have all decreased completely in their hunting concessions because they're gone and they've been shot. And on this note, uh, we need to cut to a break. So I would encourage our listeners to listen to the two episodes with Peter Cat on lions. They uh, aired in June, and it will give you a lot of background for this. But we have to cut to a break right now. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Wildlife. No wild, no life. Big. Scary. Beautiful. Predators are in danger. Without them, our rivers dry up. Our forests don't grow. Our communities go hungry. Our biodiversity crumbles. Wildlife drives our planet's ecosystems. The wild effect. It's in our hands. 
Ellie founded Wild Eyes Foundation because she loves Africa and to remind us that there are more harmonious and less destructive ways to live on our planet. She does this so we may be able to look inside ourselves and understand the deeper partnerships that connect us all and to take responsibility for our lives and our Earth. Africa is one of our last remaining wild places and the origins of humanity. It is irreplaceable. Africa is at a crossroads, on the brink of possibilities. We can choose to let its wildlife be lost forever, or we can help save it. In Africa, it is still possible to make a difference. Visit us at www.wildeyes.org to learn how you can make a difference. We only have one Earth. If we don't care, who will? W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. listening to Ellie Weiss and Our Wild World. We want to hear from you. Call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send us an email, please send it to wildeyes at wildeyes.org. That's W-I-L-D-I-Z-E at W-I-L-D-I-Z-E dot O-R-G. Now, back to Our Wild World. So we're back with Peter Cat. We digressed or segued or went into a tangent in Zimbabwe, which we're covering in other episodes on this program, and which you can certainly find in uh, the Lion conversation with Peter Cat on this the show. Uh, it aired for in two parts in June. So let's just sort of um, wrap up. Uh, Cecil the Lion and hunting here because we could go on for hours and come back to where we are today so i'm, I'm going to let you wrap up with zimbabwe and cecil and hunting go for well, it well i think you know the 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 interesting thing is that um when i won, went on to various hunting forums where you know all the hunters discuss these various issues um there was a division of opinion about whether or not cecil should have been shot because um they said, yes, it's all legal, but on the other hand, you know, shooting a lion with a radio collar is not really, you know, it's not really ethical, it's not really it's moral. It's not sporting, it's not cricket. No, it's not, it's not. Um, but then, you know, they say, well, you know, the, the, the hunter couldn't have seen the, the radio collar because it was under the mane, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, if it, um, it, let me done. just I'm going to interject. In any video that you see of a tourist of that are coming up all over Facebook and you see Cecil, if you are somewhat used to looking at lions, you can see that he has a collar on. You don't see the collar, but you see the indentation in his mane. I can well, see it. Well, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't take very much. So maybe a newbie couldn't. To... So it's kind of a moot point. Um, yeah. Yeah, ahead. it is. And, and so let's just accept the fact that, you know, this professional hunter who should have known Cecil, you know, who was accompanying the, the client should have known about Cecil and should have recognized this line. But anyway, that's that brings us back to the it. point of this show. It's it's about people and what we need to do to turn around the cascade of disastrous consequences we are having on our wild places, wild spaces, and wild life. So you painted a picture earlier. We've been talking that it's very bleak. 
um, that we're looking at ghost populations, that there is no nature. So um, the point of the show is to help people understand that there is nature, that we do we can turn things around. We're going to face losses. We're going to face extinctions. Uh, we are in the sixth mass extinction, and we have geared a planet toward us. So with that being said, what can we do to turn it around now so we don't face more catastrophic losses and an Earth devoid of wildness? Well, I think, you know, um, I, I yes, I did paint a very bleak picture, you know, earlier. And, and, and I think that, that what we need to do is we need to ask people to really start paying attention. And um, I've, been, I've been advised um, by various people that people tune out when everything is negative. You know, all these, these 65,000 elephants being poached in Tanzania over a period of four years, all these rhinos being poached in South Africa, et cetera, et cetera. You know, people do get tired of hearing really bad news and they won't tune in, 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 in anymore. But I think that, you know, coming back to what I was taught um, in, in college and in graduate school, um, I would like to say to people, um, that you can really make a difference. You still can make a difference. But what you need to do is do what my professors told me. Question, learn, and inform yourself. Do not accept what is being fed to you by various websites and all that kind of stuff. But the other really good thing these days, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something with, with you, Ellie, um, you know, here I am sitting in, in, in the UK and I'm talking to you on Skype and the Internet is absolutely wonderful. It we is have there amazing to tools at our finger, literally at our fingertips, and we need to learn how to use them um, to bring things forward as opposed to just delve into selfie and selfishness and um, party hardy until it's all gone. We can, you know, the, 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 the good thing about the Internet is that so many people can learn about so many different issues and they can then, you know, go a little bit deeper and, and find out about what these issues are and all that kind of stuff. But um, I think we used to call I, it informed decision. Yes, informed decisions, and that is exactly what is needed. And I think that, you know, the Internet these days has been so positive in terms of, um, various people saying, right, um, I, you know, I, I want to find out more about this and you know, want to find more about that. And there's, you know, a huge amount of information that is available to everybody. And I think that, you know, we can all start making a difference again, rather than sitting back and saying, well, I don't understand about this issue. I don't want to be involved in this issue. Now we can say, well, it only takes you know, a couple of clicks to be able to find out all I need to know. Am and I going granted, to be informed? It takes time to, to learn. Education takes time. You need, we need to spend the time learning. And well, you know, learning, learning, learning is a lifelong issue. Right. You know, it's, it's not like, you know, you go to high school or you go to college and that's the end of your learning. No. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Excuse me. My brain is full. I got to go play. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, there there are, you know, huge issues that confront us every single hour of the day. I mean, you know, sending kids to school or, or you know, how much money can I earn and can I afford a new car and my, my air conditioning is broken down in my house. And, you know, there's where we... There, there's always things going on in our lives, but what we need to focus on are, are, are the things that are really important. And if you, even if you only spend 20 minutes um, learning about, you know, the issues that are important to you, I think you can make a huge difference. But do not accept what is being fed to you, um, you know, over various um, TV programs or internet uh, websites or whatever, you know. Even in the newspapers, the journalists are not conservationists. What they're doing is they're they're taking articles from from various places, and they're they're supposedly putting them into easily digestible bits of information, and then feeding them to you. Well, let's call now, that media in general, and let's separate yeah. out the investigative journalist who is actually chewing on a story and delving in. People like Julian Rademeyer and other names are not coming to me at the moment, but they are bringing these issues to, to light as opposed to these manageable bits and bites for the 15-minute soundbite. Yep. And, and, you know, what, and, and you will understand this very well, Ellie, but what, what I'm saying to people is get educated, because unless you're educated, you will not be able to make a difference. Do not follow the herds, because the, the herds are not involved. I mean, you know, um, what We're is not it? lemmings. Well, they're, you know, they're all, all these lemmings jumping off cliffs just because everybody else does. You don't want to do that. You want to be the intelligent lemming that says, hey, hold on a second. I'm not going to jump off this cliff because I have learned on the Internet that I shouldn't do this. <laughs> and, and, and this brings up a good point, which once again, this program continually stresses and covers, is that we Earth is hiring. We need bright young minds who are thinking out of the box. And to think Absolutely. out of the box, you need to understand what the box is. Absolutely. And, you know, these bright young minds are going to come from – the kids in schools and the kids in college and, you know, maybe the and adults. Asking uh, questions. Asking questions. Always ask questions. Always ask, is this information really true? Is this something that, you know, I can really accept? Is there something that I can do as an individual, even though it might seem difficult, but is there always something that I can do as an individual that will make a difference? And the answer is yes. Because, you know, I wouldn't be in this, 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 you know, sort of situation here trying to run a conservation charity for lions if I was completely depressed. You know, there's always something positive that I can do. I can call my politicians. I can call politicians in the European Union. I can call people in Africa who are really good people and are trying to make a difference. And I can say, right, guys, let's all get together and let's do something positive. Or even and if we that, don't get together, still, that's not a reason to not speak up. Because as you just said, with the Internet, everybody has a voice. Everybody's there. I mean, I'm talking to you from the UK. You know, anybody can talk to anybody on Skype. Anybody can send a message, you know, to anybody via email or whatever. The world is now one, you know, tiny little pond. It's a global We're all village. talking to each other. And that's this program. We're reaching out to hundreds of thousands of people in every major city in the program. So you, listeners, we're hoping to empower you to pick up the torch. 
because Peter can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. None of us working in this field can do it alone. And that's what keeps us going every day and gets us up and says there is hope out there because if we can reach one person, then our job is done for, done for the day, for the moment. And we depend on you, listeners, the world, to, to pick this up and do what we're talking about. Get educated. Pick a passion. Pick a subject and learn about it and ask questions. Yeah, and that's perfect because, you know, one person knows other people and all that kind of stuff, you know. And, you know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to reach out to school kids who then go home and then ask their parents questions and the parents ask, you know, their their parents questions. And that one little kid who comes home and says, hey, you know, I learned about this and, and, and I don't agree with this. And what do you think? You know, that, that stimulates a conversation across 20 or 30 different people. And, and that's and just one kid that stimulates that. And two or three generations. Kids have an, an uncanny knack to cut through all the BS and hit right to the point. We as adults have learned how to dance around these issues and be noncommittal and sit on the fence or bridge the gaps with words and semantics. What we have to look at, and this goes back to where we started this program, how we define um, these terms, sustained, sustainable use, um, if it pays, it stays, sustained abuse. We have to redefine these in terms of the context of today's world. And that takes each person looking at it closely. Individual responsibility, Ellie. Individual responsibility. That, that is what question. we need. Thank you. <laughs> and that, was, that is what we have lost. I mean, you know, coming back to, you know, what we were, you were saying earlier, you know, when I was a kid, I was told by my parents that I shouldn't listen to rock music because, you know, I was going to become a drug addict immediately. Times <laughs> and, have changed. <laughs> and I questioned that. I said, you know, that's not true. So, it's, you know, there we are. linkages where maybe none exist. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we're on this point of hope. There is hope. We are at a the, the cusp of a paradigm shift. We are at tipping points. And to turn these tipping points into, let's say, a, a stable plateau that we can uh, step back and assess, as I've always said, we do have all the time in the world as long as we start now. As long as we keep debating and talking and never really get down to brass tacks, we're wasting time. So we need our youth to listen, once again, visit Lion Egg, read um, Peter's blog there. Um, a lot of what we do, Peter, me, other people, we ask questions. We put the questions out there and hope and expect and desire that you, people listening to this program, people reading Peter's blog, people on Facebook, question, think, and join the conversation. Yeah, very well said, Ellie. And, um, you know, it's always wonderful to be on this show. And hopefully, you know, one of the reasons why I'm on this show is that, um, you know, it stimulates people to actually take action and to start thinking. And, um, you know, we are on the cusp right now. And there are some changes that need to be made. They need to be made quickly. But, um, you know, we have the force of the public behind us. And that's something that we need to generate. So um, we've got a couple minutes left here. What are some of the things the public, our listeners, can take an immediate action on? You mentioned calling a senator, uh, uh, 
making calls, donating to Lion Aid. Um, once again, it talks about, we're getting back to due diligence, donor responsibility. Don't just willy-nilly give money to somebody who says they're a nonprofit. Find out if they really are. Find out who they are, what they are, what their mission is, and do your due diligence and be a responsible donor, be a responsible human being, and support those organizations that are really working and having a positive effect and concrete results on the ground, as opposed to just more words and a pretty page and a nice website. Well, I think what, um, you know, over over the, the, the last few months, um, what has really motivated me is to um, to ask people to, and, and, you know, we've been talking about this all along in the show, to ask people to really start doing their own work and to, to, to take an interest. Because... I think you nailed it. Take an interest. Take an interest. And, you know, unless we take an interest, what we are going to see in the future is a faunal desert because there's not going to be any wildlife left. Because, you know, what's happening now is, for example, in, in, in various places in Africa, I, I won't mention their names, but people are, are organizing tourist trips for, you know, various people in Asia to come over and see African wildlife. And what they will show those people who are sitting in those tourist cars and, and, and um, paying lots of money to do that is they will show them a zebra or maybe an impala or maybe the one giraffe that's left in the place because all the others have been killed. And they will maybe see a small elephant or something like that and they will go home happy. But so, so Sort of what you're saying is, is what we're seeing now is, is a deprived landscape. And we yeah. don't have to let that continue. Yes, but, you know, somehow that is still acceptable to a lot of people because, you know, they will still come on an African safari to see an impala. But, you know, the, 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 the great diversity and the beauty and the, and the, the, um, the wonder of, of the African savanna and the African wildlife needs to be restored. And this can be done. This can be done. Um, People are ta now talking about restoring areas. Rewilding, that's restoring, and that's where Rewilding, we're right? That doesn't and mean, this, you know, putting mammoths back in and cheetahs in North America. It means restoring habitat so wildlife can uh, rehabilitate and repopulate. Rehabilitate, repopulate. Maybe not repopulate. to its previous glorious numbers because we don't have the space, but that's our decision once again. Well, the land is there. It's, right. it's, it's, it's there. You know, we're not there because it has been degraded, but it can be restored and it can house wildlife again. And right. this is something that we all need to focus on as something very, very positive. And there are some very good people who are talking about rewilding. And I think this is something that we need to, sadly, this is something that we need to think about. I don't say sadly. I say hopefully because this is something we can do as long as yeah. we step up and take an interest. So unfortunately, I, we have to end for today, but I think that's a really good note to end on because, listeners, you can make a difference. I keep saying it over and over and over again, and um, my guests keep reiterating it, so I'm not a single voice in the darkness. Neither is Peter. We can make a difference. So I'm sorry, Peter. We'll, we'll have to just chat again sometime because it's always so wonderful to talk to you. So thank you for your time. Well, and thank you for your show. Absolutely. So this is Ellie Weiss, Our Wild World. Tune in. Speak up. The world is listening. Thank you.
Thank you again for joining us this week. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Our Wild World with your host, Ellie Weiss, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think about living with wildlife during the coming week and what you can do right now. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.